This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, well, we'll get started with Mike, and then we'll see if anybody else wakes up out there. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How hey, you doing? I'm sir? well, sir. How about yourself? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, you know my line, Bob. If I was any better, I'd be taking pictures. So we're doing it. <laughs> you come up with a new line more uh, fairly often. I don't think I've heard that one yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, uh, I am doing well, Bob. I'm getting ready uh, shortly here to start me a, a new, add, a, add another raised bed Bob, Very. for vegetables. And Very good. I've got... Uh, what I'm getting at, you know, I wanted to get your opinion on what to add. Uh, I've got, you know, on one of the off one of the properties that I managed, they had an area where there was some, oh, an old shed and some, you know, older oaks and whatnot that they, for whatever reason, and I haven't learned yet that they cleared out. So I've got, you know, my compost leaf mold. Uh, I've got plenty of that. And okay. for what it's worth, Bob, I've actually got one bed that that I started, you know, sometime back with nothing but that. And it's, it's done pretty well. It's getting shady over there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm starting a new bed. So what would your suggestion be, Bob, on uh, adding to that? Well, it depends on how well your leaf mold, your compost is broken down. I mean, that's how Mother Nature makes soil. And it's yes, a pretty sir. fine line between you know, compost, which is still in the process of breakdown and what we might call, you know, soil. We're not, is not what we would call mineral soil, but that's not what you want. You want a soil that's very high in organic material. And so, uh, I mean, if, if that stuff is fairly well broken down, there's absolutely no reason you need to add anything else. If you had enough, have enough of that to fill up the bed, I would just go for that. I always think about quite a few years ago, I had the pleasure of going to Switzerland and probably the healthiest squash plant I've ever seen in my life. Uh, They put their barns up on stones, I guess, to keep rats and things out or for whatever reason. And apparently for years, they'd just been sweeping the stable bedding and manure out the back door of the barn. There was a pile of it about four feet tall out there. And I have never in my life seen such beautiful squashes was just sprouting up out of the top and of that and growing. So there's no mandate that you have to add, you know, any soil per se to that. That was kind of my thoughts, Bob, because like I say, that one, that one bed that I've got, it has been, you know, really productive on peppers and tomatoes and whatnot. It's just, uh, it's getting a little shady and, uh, you know, I, I'm looking to add is you know another bed in another area. Sure. Uh, so now there are yeah, some there are some other some amendments I would think about adding. I'd think about putting okay. a little lava sand in there for moisture retention and for the paramagnetic activity. I'd probably add a little bit of green sand to it. I would definitely add a little bit of dry molasses. And you know when you're within three months of planting time, I go ahead and add some organic fertilizer. I think you're very wise to get some. Yeah. 
uh, organic material, organic fertilizer in there breaking down. And beyond that, uh, I'm experimenting with a material called azomite. Um, I've heard about it, read about it for a long time, and now we have a good source on it. And it is, I mean, you can get it in three different forms. You can get it in a very fine powder. You can get it in a granule. You can get it in a granule that's molasses-coated. And to read the ingredients on it, to read the analysis of it, I've never seen a product that has more different micronutrients and uh you know, just different things that plants need in small quantities. So I'll get back to you on that one. I've, I've, I've put it in a couple of beds and I'll say that the things I've planted in those beds are really growing well, but I can't tell you whether or not just due to the azomite or whether it's just, and these are brand new beds that I created actually up around the greenhouse. It's pretty much finished now, but those are other things I would add, but I sure wouldn't think about trying to bring in any more soil or anything like that. I think you've got everything no. you need, and you have the potential of just bringing in uh, weeds and problems if you start adding soil to it, and so I wouldn't go down that road. Yeah, and, and the bulk of it, you know, that, that I've collected and just kind of let let set, or, you know, as old Malcolm would have said, let rot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's really fine, you know, and, and you know, I'll, I'll screen it and whatnot, uh, you know, when I get along a little bit further. But uh, that that was kind of my thought, Bob. I probably don't need to add a whole lot no. to this, uh, you know. Just uh, just little, yeah. like say, little lava sand, maybe a little azomite, definitely some dry molasses, maybe a little green sand, a little fertilizer. And unlike people who are going out and buying soil, you should grow a great crop the first year in that. Where we are going out and purchasing soil, it's never going to be well finished. It's going to probably take three years to really get up to its maximum potential. But I would see this bed of yours starting out, uh, you know, just top of the line from day one. Oh, sure. Yeah, because, you know, the, the beds, you know, that I've been gardening in for almost 20 years now that I've that I did buy, you know, soil, uh, you know, some newer soil is, uh, you know, when I added this other bed, uh, it started out just as well, if not better (laughs) than those beds. So, okay, Bob, that's about all I got. The only other thing, uh, pepper seed, I was a little surprised. Uh, I've got, I think, four varieties uh, that, you know, I started and, to my surprise, uh, which I understand, you know, people, you know, I, I know people have problems with, you know, getting pepper seed started. But, right. Uh, what I've got coming up more than anything is chili pekin, and uh, you know, it, <laughs> it, it, I, I was I was really surprised. But well, the only thing for FWIW, the only thing I did was soak them for forty eight hours in a little bit of, you know, a a little bit of seaweed and, and rainwater, you know, mix, and uh, man, you know, I think out of seventy-two cells, and and I spread it up four ways. Uh, those and some shishito, a few shishitos showing up now. Uh, I was kind of surprised that those came up first. Is that kind of normal or just luck of the draw? Or uh, I think you probably harvested your seed at a very good time and i think that pre-soak makes a big a big difference uh not everybody has that kind of luck starting out you may not have yeah. that kind of luck next year but all you're right, off to a good right. start yeah. so you know yeah, don't ask too many right. questions yeah. <laughs> just I had no luck at all last year Bob. Yeah. okay 
Well, okay. I think your seaweed soak. Uh, I like, uh, you know, Howard Garrett's deal with a little bit of, uh, you know, apple cider vinegar in there and things like that. But, you know, the bottom line is success. And if it's work working, keep on doing it. I, years ago in the EM lab, electron microscopy lab, uh, we were really cutting edge on a lot of things. And I'd ask the director of the lab, I'd say, I did this, this, and this. Is that right? And she would say, did it work? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that's right. That's, that's right for this situation. So uh, what's working for you, don't change a thing. Just keep it up, Mike. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, you know me, Bob. I'm stubborn. I didn't want to drive from Canyon Lake to Bandera Road to pick up the <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and, if it's working, just keep on doing it. And listen, let me wish you a happy new year. That's what makes it fun. All right, Bob. Same to you. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to talk to Bill and Joyce and James. And Bill is up next. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Dr. Bob. Happy New Year. And well, the same to you guys. How's everything in your world? Hope Christmas was very nice. It was wonderful, thank you. Good. So, I've been to your uh, pruning seminar a couple of times, but that's when we lived in San Antonio, and I only paid attention to the stuff that was in my yard at that time. <laughs> now we're out in the country, and we've got an orchard. You know, you were talking about some of that stuff, uh, but I, again, I didn't pay much attention. We're only about, what, maybe six weeks away from the time we start pruning again. Uh, we might so not be six hours away to start pruning in an orchard. You can prune that. today if you like. All right. So would you go through these five or six or seven things and tell me? I know some need pretty heavy pruning, some light pruning. So what, what do you have in the orchard at this point, Bill, and uh, how mature are the trees? How long have they been there? Three years. Okay. Uh, plums. Okay. Uh, plums, uh, go ahead and give me the full list, and I'll tell you which ones okay. we can group together. All right. Plums, blackberries, okay. pears, peaches, apples, and apricots. Okay. I'm assuming pomegranates don't need anything. No, pomegranates don't need anything. We can lump the uh, the plums, the peaches, and the apricots together. Um, and you know, after three years, you should already have the basic structure of those trees pretty much determined, uh, all of them. And it's going to be easier on the apricot and the peaches, but you can do it with the plum. You want to try to create an open centered tree, uh, that's branched out sort of goblet shaped. And at this point, what you need to be doing is basically go through and thin out those trees, your peaches and apricots. Thin them out by about 40%. Thinning out means taking out what would be the fruit-bearing wood, and it's just going up and down the limbs and uh, you know, and taking every other little small limb out. Uh, some of the limbs getting too tall, some of the limbs crossing or rubbing on other limbs. Go ahead and take that one out altogether. But thin your peaches and apricots by about 40%. Thin your plums by about 50 or even 60%. This is what will keep the trees vigorous and give you a good crop of fairly good-sized fruit. Now, apricots, it's going to be, apricots are always iffy. They always try to bloom too early. They always, or a lot of years, they freeze back. Peaches and plums, though, should be a pretty good year if uh, if the weather keeps on like it's doing right now. Apples and pears, basically no pruning whatsoever. If you've got rubbing limbs, you can thin those out. Anything might be coming off the base uh, 
cut those yeah. out, of course. But your your pears and your apples, you're pretty much going to leave alone. Much pruning in that area is going to give you an increased chance of bacterial fire blight and some other things you don't want to get started. So uh, just uh, as Bill Bryson would say, a little tidy up on those guys, but not much pruning at all. Your blackberries at this point, fertilize them, water them, and don't do anything else because the the canes that are there are the ones that are going to give you this year's berries, so you don't want to be cutting them out. And as the spring goes on, you're going to have lots and lots and lots of new canes start sprouting up around them. And again, just lay off the pruning shears. Some of these new canes coming up, if you want to dig and transplant them, you certainly can. But after your berry plants have finished producing, then you will go through and cut those all the way back to the ground. The ones that produced, you leave the ones that sprouted this year to continue to grow because those are what are going to produce your berries next year. So we don't really do any spring pruning at all in the blackberries. The blackberries, we put on our you know chain mail and our gloves, and we go in and thin out the old canes or take them out completely after they have produced the spring crop. And that's probably going to be... Oh, you're going to be thinning those, taking those out uh, in May, maybe even into June, depending on how long your productive season is on those. So right now, about the only things you need to be worrying about actually pruning will be the apricots, the peaches, and the plums. That is exactly what I needed. Very good. Well, you guys have a very happy new year, and you know where to find me when you have more questions, or a good joke, either one. All right. Thank you, <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, stay, stay I'll do my very best. <laughs> we'll talk uh, to you soon. Thanks. thanks. Bye. All right. Joyce's turn. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning, Bob. It was so nice to visit with you and your folks the other day at the nursery, and the place well, was absolutely gorgeous. So good to see you, and Maxwell and Hannah were so generous with me at Christmas time this year, and everybody's healthy <laughs> and happy, so life's good. That's right. You can't ask for more than that, really. Uh, and But I want to thank you for the past year, all the things you do for us, and when you the information you give us, and especially for taking the time when you have it uh, to chat with people like um, um, Farmer James and, and, and <laughs> I think Mark that's probably who's yeah Berg. I think that's probably who's on the line waiting for the next call. So I'm <laughs> looking well, forward to that. Well, and Mark from Fredericksburg, they have such unique uh, perspectives and situations going, right. and I think that's really interesting and helpful to lots of us out here when when you have the time to go into a little bit of depth there. Oh. Always but, enjoy it. Always enjoy visiting with you, too. Well, thank you. Uh, I have just a situation that is I'm planning for. It's not an anything now. It's just I've come up with a couple of plan A and plan B, and I kind of wanted to ask you about it, or maybe you have a plan C that would work even better. Okay. And that has to do with the little kumquat trees. I'm mm-hmm. crazy about those things, and I have one. And I've tried putting little... Uh, uh, Oh, goodness, grafts on the thing. Not uh-huh. grafts. But anyway, I had that kind of going. But I walked through one of the big box stores, and I saw a kumquat tree that was grown here in Texas, uh, the nursery. And it had on the uh, – it's a high graft, which I'm trying to get to a bush is what I'm trying to okay. do. And mine both have high grafts. So this tree, 
the graft itself is about four to five inches above soil level, and then there's maybe 15 inches and then a nice crown. Okay. So I saw growing above the graft a few little sprouts out from the side where they've trimmed all that stuff off. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, goody, I can turn this one into a bush maybe. Absolutely. So I got the thing. And, of course, it had two of those. One got knocked off, of course. The other one is growing well. And as I say, it's about three inches above the graft itself and, and no thorns or anything. So I think it's it's truly a, a regular kumquat stem. And then in this bare space, so what my one plan A is, because these stems are so narrow, they're not underneath where it branches at the crown. It's barely bigger than a yellow pencil would be. Okay. I wonder if I could put a, um, oh, what do you call that thing where you wrap it in in, uh, in moss and put it oh, in? Oh, an air layer. Air layer. Thank right. you. I was completely gone. Uh, put an air layer underneath that crown and trim that crown back. It has a nice branching full crown and just start a whole new bush that way. The other plan B was to cut the long branching things that are going straight up it has a very compact crown and good structure there and then it has five or six going out a foot and a half two feet cutting all those back to a nice round little crown and putting an air layer underneath it or should i just prune when the time comes in the spring back those long leaders to a nice compact crown and hope it will cause the stem to put out some more side shoots. Okay, we're going to go with plan C, or maybe a modification. Uh, You don't want to be air layering where you can avoid it, because the thing about your grafted kumquats is that they are on a rootstock, which has produced a nice taproot to give you a nice, strong, uh, you know, very stable tree. And when you air layer it, or when you take a cutting on a citrus, you end up with a lot of lateral roots rather than that deep taproot. Right, so you I have a, a plant that is much more susceptible to breakage and just simply is not as strong a plant. So I don't think air layering is the, is the operable thing here. Now, once you get two, three inches above the graft, Anything that sprouts out, I would let it grow. If it's right, not in a place, <laughs> okay, well, you may have more. Uh, I mean, it just, you know, here we're six, eight weeks away from when it's going to really start its spring growth. And the more little limbs you have coming out, the more leaves you have at that point, the more sugars are being fed back into the trunk right at that point, And the stronger the trunk is going to become on that tree. Now, at this point, these little trees were not as concerned about heavy fruit production as we are getting them off to a good start. So I wouldn't necessarily wait. I would go ahead and clip those longer uh, water sprouts, as we might call them, back and let them go ahead and begin to branch. Go ahead and let them begin to fill out. As long as the tree has at least a fair amount of foliage on it, I see no reason at all to wait uh, to take off those longer or to cut back those longer shoots. And, um, of course, as the tree matures, we'll want to wait until blooming season before we start pruning to be sure we leave the lambs, the limbs that have the most flowers and therefore the potential for the most fruit. But at this point, we're really more interested in shaping than we are in fruit production. So whenever you have the time and energy, I would go ahead and do a little bit of a haircut on that tree and, and get the shape more to what you're looking for for long-term development. 
Okay. I thought of that, and then I thought, oh, no, no, no. I I shouldn't be messing with it, trimming on it now. I should wait. So I kind of discarded that. But that did enter my mind because it has such a full, immediate crown where it branches Mm -hmm. that I could cut those back quite a bit and get myself, say, a... uh, oh. a 15, 20 inch crown that, and still have at least 50 or more percent of the leaves. Yeah. Well, okay. you do that whenever it is convenient for you. Now well, we are, pots, of course. So. Yeah, we're we're into chilly weather for the next week or ten days, and probably for the next six weeks. So I'm not really concerned about it. You know, starting to break and put on a lot of new growth, which would be more freeze susceptible. So just do it at your convenience. I know you've got lots of other things going on, but when you say I want to take a break from unpacking or doing all the other things that life's requiring me to do, um, these little guys can get a little bit of a haircut whenever it's convenient for you. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I That did enter my mind because they still are at a size that should we get anything too severe, sure, they can. can be moved. Yeah, and that would be a good idea. Kumquats, of course, are one of our more cold-hardy citrus, but young plants like that, it's best to give them some protection. And uh, uh, again, I'm not seeing anything real severe on the horizon, although I think uh, New Year's Day, the day after New Year's, I'm looking at a forecast of 24 in Bernie, so you're probably going to be well below freezing. So that first move may come up this next week, but uh, uh, that would be my suggestion. I, I just don't think air layering on these guys at this point would serve your long-term interests. Okay, okay, that's fine. Well, you have other callers waiting, and that was my um, situation that I was mulling over, and thank you. You have given me (laughs) exactly the way to go, and I will do that. Bob, Happy New Year to you and all the babies, and give them hugs. And and, uh, to you guys as well. They're they're sleeping very comfortably on very soft blankets at this point. So uh, they they remember their Aunt Joyce, and uh, we just wish you the very best for the coming year. And uh, always good to talk to you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Bye.